Good morning, guys. My name is Justin. I am the um, creative director and designer for a design company here in New York City called Do More Design. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about a we're going to talk about a topic that's a little unpopular, um, and which strikes me because I, I'm not really sure why it's <laughs> unpopular. But um, we're going to talk about uh, depression and anxiety and mental health. Um, and I kind of want, I want to talk about this for two reasons. One, because I want to kind of get rid of, help to get rid of the stigma around um, mental health. And also because it is Mental Health Week in the UK right now. Um, and I want to, I want to promote that. I want to support that. So um, I don't, I don't really like talking about myself and my history a ton on the podcast just because I don't want this podcast to necessarily be about me. Um, I want it to be about, about things that I can do to help people or things that will help people, um, topics that will help people, um, grow and learn and communicate and just be better human beings all around, but also just better designers. Um, but I do recognize that my own story can help people sometimes. Um, so today is, is going to be one of those days when I do talk about myself a little bit, um, just because I have a long and entangled history with, uh, with depression and anxiety and, and mental health. So, um, I kind of want to, I want to start with just, just saying that, um, every single person on the planet deals with mental health. Every single person deals with depression and anxiety and and sadness and those are totally normal feelings and totally normal things and you shouldn't be ashamed of of experiencing those things in your life ever like it's completely stupid to feel ashamed well not stupid okay i won't say that it's it's not it's unnecessary to feel ashamed of, of dealing with depression or anxiety or mental health. That's totally normal as a human being. So just kind of, I want to get that out of the way. Um, also like when, as it, as it is a normal thing for everyone to deal with, um, the turning point where it becomes dangerous is when you don't talk about it is when you don't talk to somebody about it. Um, and there are a lot of resources out there for people um, to, to have counseling, to talk about what they're experiencing and what they're going through. There's, there's groups, um, here in the U S I'm not sure about in the UK, but, um, here in the U S there's a betterhealth.com, um, or betterhealth.org, one or the other. Um, and they're licensed counselors that are all online and you can create appointments and talk to somebody over the phone or video chat and just have your own personal counselor. I mean, you don't have, you don't have to leave your home, which is great. Um, and I know there are a lot of resources out there. So, um, please, please talk to somebody, talk, talk to anybody like, um, the, the, the best thing that you can do is talk about it and have real genuine conversations with people because a lot of people can relate. I guarantee it, especially during this pandemic. I myself have had definite moments during this pandemic when I've been depressed and I've been discouraged and I've been like. I felt like the outcome of the world has been really bleak. Um, 
and that's that's discouraging for me you know because i try to be a really optimistic person in my life and it's one of the things my wife is annoyed about me <laughs> a lot of the time it's just she'll always be like why are you so optimistic and i'm like why should you not be optimistic like optimism is great like why would you not be optimistic um but so i want to talk a little bit about my history um and i think this is i think this is important because um because everybody has a story everybody's been through shit and having gone through shit is something that makes you a better human being like when you when everything is handed to you and you have an easy life i i i don't know i i feel like i feel like you need to go through something really terrible <laughs> like to make you a better person um and if you haven't gone through anything terrible, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Okay, <laughs> I just I think I think it makes you a better person when you've gone through shit. Um, so my my first encounter with uh, depression, I think I, I think when I was like seven years old, um, I was young, and I remember maybe even younger than that. I don't quite remember, but I remember I was this was out in my first house. Um, I grew up in, in Bozeman, Montana. So I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, and there was this field out behind my house and somehow somewhere in the field, there was a board with a nail sticking up through it. Right. And me being a kid who grew up outside, like I'm just running around in the field with a stick, smacking fucking butterflies and things <laughs> like just running around. And I stepped on that board and the, the nail went through my foot. Um, and me and obviously being a little kid like i'm screaming and crying and everything um and my dad was working on because he was a carpenter so he was working on a project at the time and he was supposed to be watching me because my mom was inside um running her daycare business so she couldn't pay attention and so my dad was supposed to be like watching me and so i step on this on this board nail goes through my foot and I'm screaming and crying. My dad runs over to see what's going on. And instead of, and this is what I don't understand about my dad, is instead of being compassionate and trying to take care of me, he was angry at me. And he's like, you're so useless. Why are you so useless? And I was, I was, I was sad and I was hurt and I was upset because of my foot and I was upset because of my dad. And I remember going inside and being like, be like, why am I here? Like, what is the point of me being here? If I'm just useless, if I'm just a useless person, then why am I even alive? Um, and like, that was my first experience with, with depression. And because being a little kid, you're super impressionable, right? You're super impressionable by your parents and what they say and how they act and what they do. And... Um, I was I was already an emotional little kid because I was born with high functioning autism spectrum disorder, um, which is more affectionately known as Asperger's syndrome. Um, but uh, I I was never like I didn't ever have any issues with like the cognitive development. I had more issues with um, like social development and understanding social situations. But I was still a really emotional little kid. Um, and so being told something like that when being a little kid, like it really, it kind of rocked my foundation. I didn't really understand why my dad would you 
know, think that way about me. Um, and my, my relationship with my dad from really that point on was really kind of estranged and really difficult. Um, because he, he had depression issues and he had anger management issues and like, he didn't know how to be like a good father because his father wasn't a good father. And so he took out all that pain and anxiety and rage from his father out on me. Um, and so that's kind of like how I grew up with my dad and he was really, really physically violent and verbally violent and emotionally violent. And, um, so my, my childhood growing up was really tough. Um, and even like, and then that from home carried over into school and I was bullied like, like endlessly in school, um, all the way up until I was probably a junior in high school. Um, and during my school career, during my childhood, I, there are many, many times that I was depressed. There are many times when I felt like I was just, you know, like my dad told me I was a worthless piece of shit. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any value. I didn't feel like I had any purpose. Um, and so growing up that way, that carries over into, you know, adult life. And I think the, the, the place where it really turned around for me, um, because I was on Ritalin as a kid, I was hyper, I was ADHD. Um, I was taking lithium and, you know, whatever else I needed to be taking Adderall for, um, you know, my Asperger syndrome and just like all of this other stuff. And I remember when I was 13, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm not taking these medications anymore. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of the way it makes me feel. I'm sick of like having this stigma in my family about me being like, you know, just not, not being you know, functionally all right. And I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to do this. And I told my mom and I was like, I'm not taking this anymore. And she's like, no, you have to. And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to. And I think for me, that was like, that was a big turning point because I'd never stood up to my parents before. Like I'd never been like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, I'd always kind of just gone along because one, I was afraid of my dad <clears throat> and two, like I, I was, I was taught to really respect my elbow, my elders and really respect my parents or not my dad, but my mom. Um, and so like, I kind of just followed orders because that's what I was taught to do. Um, also because I was afraid of my dad. But, and so for me, that was like, that was a big step into quote unquote adulthood, even though I was only 13. Um, and then, uh, three years later, my dad, uh, Three years later, my dad killed himself. Um, and that was really hard because I was 16. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't, I mean, I don't think anybody at any age really knows how to handle that, but I was 16 years old. I didn't know, I didn't know why I couldn't understand. Um, he left a really nasty, um, suicide note. Like my mom never let, my mom didn't let me read it, read it until I was probably 27, um, which is good. But it was really, it was really rough. It was really nasty. Um, and so, you know, all of that anxiety, all that stress, all that depression from being a kid just like surmounted. Um, and so when I was 17, I actually ended up going into a, uh, a mental health hospital for a little while. Um, just because I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with any of that. Um, 
and I hated it and it was horrible and it was wonderful all at the same time. Like I absolutely hated it, but um, being forced into a setting where I had to talk about all of this stuff openly, um, I think was really good for me. And I wish it had happened earlier in my life, not going to like a mental health hospital, but like being put into a setting where I was forced to talk about things that was going on in my family because my dad wouldn't let me talk about it. Um, and if I did talk about it, like he would beat me relentlessly. Um, and so like, I never, I could never talk to anybody about it. And so being, being in a situation where I could was really healing. Um, and then when I was, when I was 18, I joined the military. Um, and being in the military, they, I mean, they reprogram you in basic, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, they reprogram you to be a, a killing machine, basically. Um, and luckily I wasn't in the military for too long. Um, I think I would be a, a very, a very different person now if I had stayed in the military. Um, and, it, and not like it was my choice to leave the military. Um, because the trajectory I was going in the military was special forces. Like that's how it was conditioned. That's the progress of the, the schooling. You know, I was going through airborne training and then ranger training and then sniper training and then eventually SF. Um, that was my trajectory. And uh, when I was just turning 20 years old, I got in a car accident and I, talk, I talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I got in a car accident and I tore my left arm off and I shattered the left side of my body and died twice in the helicopter on the way to the hospital and was in, you know, the ICU for three months. And, um, and so again, all of this, all of this stuff growing up and then my dad and then joining the military had its own issues with depression because the drill sergeants are really rough on you and that's hard. Um, and then this car accident and I, <laughs> I talked to yesterday about being like triumphant and learning to walk again and like, you know, telling the doctor to go fuck himself when he told me I couldn't, you know, it was going to be wheelchair bound and all this stuff. But in, in that, even though I did triumph and even though I did force myself to learn to walk again, and even though like I did succeed in that, um, it was, there were still moments when I was like really discouraged and really depressed about that because it's, it's impossible to be put in a situation like that and not be like, woe is me. And I did. And I remember after the doctor told me, told me that, and even though I had this fire in my belly that was like, fuck you, I'm going to learn to walk again. You can't tell me who I am. Like, even though there was that fire, there was also this side of it that was like, like, damn, like, why, why me? Like, why am I put through all of this stuff? Like, what, what did I do in my life to deserve all of these really tragic things happening to me? Like, why am I in a wheelchair, you know, paralyzed from the waist down, having my arm in this giant cast with tubes coming out of it and all this stuff and like, you know, never be able to functionally use my left hand again. Like, why am I here? Like, what did I do? And I was really angry about it for a really long time. Um, and I think, I think the anger is kind of part of what propelled me forward um, because I was really... I felt 
I felt like I had been dealt a hand of cards that I didn't deserve. Um, and so I was really angry about it. And I was really angry at God. And I was really angry at like just everything. Um, and it drove me to alcoholism um, at the age of 22. And I dealt with alcoholism and rage and anger issues um, for a lot of my 20s, actually. Um, and even though, like, even though I, I forced myself through culinary school and I forced myself to walk again and I forced myself to learn how to use my left hand again. And like when I was 24, like I learned how to retie my shoes. Like, even though that's a huge thing for the for the situation that I was in. Like, it's such a small thing. Um, and so inside of that was just a lot of discouragement and a lot of depression. And um, I had a group of friends that I could talk to, which was the best thing ever. And it was my fraternity <laughs> in college. And like, you don't really think, like when you think about a fraternity, you think about like, parties and girls and keggers and all this other shit but um and there was that side of it of course but like my my group of guys were really solid guys too they weren't just a bunch of partiers and dickheads like you see in like you know um like american pie or something it was like they were just really good guys and we all helped each other and we all talked with each other and we all had really good you know relationship and i think that that was really beneficial for me, especially in college um, and just, you know, going through what I was going through in my life. And then, you know, I graduated college and I moved to Seattle to work in the restaurant industry. Um, and I didn't know anybody when I moved to Seattle. And so I had to rebuild that community again. And that was again, that was really tough and it was really discouraging. And I didn't know anybody. And I, I being a chef, you know, being a one-handed chef, I already had odds stacked against me. Um, and having to, you know, learn as fastly and as fast and as quickly as I can, like, again, all of these things propelled me forward and like really taught me this, you know, ability to persevere, but it wasn't easy and it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. Um, and there was there was one one point when I was when I was 28 when I really hit a low spot, and um, my fiance at the time uh, had basically just ghosted me and just left, disappeared without any word, um, and I couldn't find her and I couldn't talk to her and like that was really hard and really traumatic for me and I fell really really low at that point and my my good friend, my brother, Eric, um, kind of, cause he was living in Seattle too. And he, he, he drugged me out of it. And he is not normally a type of person to be able to do something like that because he deals with his own depression issues. Um, but he drugged me out of that and, um, forced me to go to this, uh, this, Re, not rehabilitation, but like this a counseling group that was in my church at the time. Um, and that, again, it was just really beneficial. It was, it was a place where it was a safe place where I could talk 
and just kind of unload everything. Um, and, you know, it, it got better. Life got better. Like, you know, after that, after that moment, I really left the restaurant industry and, you know, decided to pursue uh, a completely different career, which was commercial photography. But I decided to pursue photography full time. And then eventually that didn't work out um, when I moved to New York because the internship that I moved to New York on got canceled. And so um, went back to graphic design and um, graphic design again is just it's like a really being an artist is a really challenging career because um, there's always there's always there's always people that are better than you always no matter what um, and that can be graphic design can be really lonely um, because you don't want to talk to people about the struggles you're having with graphic design or in the art industry because like you don't want them to think that you're incapable of an uh, as being an artist and because like there's this competition like there's a competition to always be the better artist right and so if they see that you're struggling and you tell them that you're struggling like you've lost that competition um and that's stupid it's stupid we as artists should be supporting each other we as artists should be building communities where we can talk about these things and where we can communicate and we can build each other up and promote each other and help each other through all of these times not not break each other down and not you know um, discourage each other because you're going through these things um and so kind of all through all of this what i want to say is like you are not alone like everybody goes through this shit everybody deals with these things and it's perfectly okay like you don't have to be ashamed you don't have to be afraid you don't have to feel bad about um being discouraged or uh going through depression or being sad or feeling lonely or um feeling like you don't have a purpose like everybody goes through these things and the artist community can be and often is a place where you can come and people will come alongside you and they will build you up and they will help you and they will direct you and they will be the ear to listen. Um, so please, like, talk with people, please. Um, there are a lot of us out there. And if you want to message me and you want to talk, you want somebody to, you know, to listen and you want to talk to somebody, um, you can reach me at design at domore.tv. Um, you can reach me on Behance at um, Do More Design. You can uh, find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. You can just like reach out and we can have a conversation. Like I'll even set up a Google Meet and you can see my face and I'll see your face and we'll chat. Like it's totally okay. Like if that's something you need, like I I can I can I can be somebody to listen for you if you want. Um, and. So yeah, anyway, um, that's kind of, that's a little bit of my story and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is just like, it's okay to be discouraged and it's okay to be sad and to be depressed and, um, just, just talk to somebody. So anyway, um, again, my name is Justin. I am the designer for do more design here in New York city. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, be sure to leave a comment. Let me know what you think. 
and I will chat with you guys tomorrow. So yeah, anyway, have a good day. Bye.